time for BCOT Kids, and Miss Jessica has something ready for you. Why don't we give all of our kids a big round of applause, let them know that we love them today. We're glad they're here. There we go. All right. The rest of us, uh, let's grab our Bibles. Can we do that, please? We are in the book of Psalms. We're going to continue the series that we began called The Summer in the Psalms, and what we're doing is basically grabbing a psalm from uh, the 150 that are in that book. We're not doing all 150, uh, but we're, we're grabbing a few and we're highlighting some. And, and I'm anxious to share this one today because I, I, I just, I felt like God was saying this is a very timely, very timely word that God would have for many of us here today. And so we are in Psalm chapter 13 today. And the title of my message today is simply the word empty. Empty. Psalm 13, there's only six verses in this psalm. And I want to I look at these uh, verses. And before I read them, I want to remind you, uh, or at least make known to you, the author of this psalm is none other than David. Uh, David is the one who wrote this. David is a, a person who is described as being a man after God's own heart. Uh, David, David the giant killer. David the king. David the worshiper. David the one who uh, God chose to go through his bloodline in order to bring about the birth of Jesus Christ. So, we are talking about a person who is very close to God. Would you say amen, David, King David? He was not perfect by any means, but he was a man who loved God. What's interesting, though, is that this man, this giant slayer, this man who loved God, was brought to a point that I would consider to be very, very low. In his life, to the point of maybe feeling a bit empty inside. And what I want to do is unpack, first of all, what I want to do is take the guilt away from those of us who may feel that you are somehow in sin because you have these feelings from time to time, because you've been brought to this place. And I'm, I'm really going to unpack this because. As we read this together, you're going to see that David says some pretty <laughs> gut-honest stuff here. In fact, I would even say that some of us would be afraid to pray the same thing that David prayed in this psalm. But I will tell you that this was a man who loved God, and more importantly, this was a man whom God loved. And I'm looking at a lot of people that may not be perfect, but God loves you very much. And you're trying to get this thing right, this Christianity thing right. We don't always do well. Sometimes we're more victorious than other times. But then sometimes we're brought to these points where it, it, it's pretty low. And how do we handle those moments when we feel empty? I want to unpack that today. So if you're able to, would you stand with me in honor of God's word as we read these six verses together? 
And again, I'm in Psalm chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. I always love to hear the groaning when people stand up. I, I, that's always very... <laughs> It's fun. Okay, if you're there, say amen. All right. Um, I was talking about the scripture, not at a standing position, but if, if whatever applies to you, great. If you don't have your Bible, you could check out all the scriptures on the screen as I read them, okay? Here we go. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? Okay, time out. Okay, okay. this is David. Man after God's own heart. Praying for, that first line, I doubt many of us would ever want to pray. So I'm just going to tell you right now that David is showing us how relatable he is to all of us with this prayer. Okay, let's keep going. How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer. Lord my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise. For he has been good to me. So, Lord God, I'm asking you now that you would just match us up with this passage today. Because I, I sense that there may be many who can identify with some of these lines and these verses. But, Lord, I pray that you would bring victory today. God, I pray for turnarounds. I pray, Lord God, for change. I pray, God, for blessing to come from you. And we know that that comes through your Holy Spirit, through the Word of God. And Lord, we pray that that would take place today, and we'll thank you for it. And it's in your precious and mighty and holy name we pray this. And we all said, Amen. 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 You may be seated. Empty. So I want to talk to those of us who come to those moments when life happens, okay? It's fun being on the mountaintop, right? Amen? Amen. Uh, but, but you and I were not designed to stay on the mountaintop, emotionally, spiritually. We, we, we have to come down sometimes. And what awaits us in the valley can be troubling sometimes. What awaits us sometimes can be really, really tough. We could be brought to empty. Um, how many, of you, okay, I've learned that there are two types of people, and I'm certain that those two types of people exist in this room today. Let's talk about the gas gauge in your car. Okay, some of you already know where I'm going. All right? There are those of you in here where as soon as the needle gets to about a quarter of a tank, you're like, oh, I got to fill up. This is way too close to being out of gas, okay? I will be the responsible one here, and I will fill my tank. Then, there's those of you 
who find that the closer the needle gets to E, that's merely a suggestion to you. In fact, now, like the newer cars now, right? The newer cars actually have the numbers that tell you how many miles remain with your tank of gas, okay? Until, until it like gets down to like past 30 miles to go, and then it just flatlines. At least our cars do that. It just flatlines. And some of you, you think you could drive to Canada on that flatline. I don't get it. Why? Why are you doing this? And you're going you're gonna to break down in some country road somewhere where all you have are some sinister people in banjos and you don't know. <laughs> What's next? <laughs> Running on empty. And, and I would say... I would say that for a number of us, spiritually, we have conditioned ourselves to run our spiritual lives as close to the flat line, as close to E as we possibly can, until finally we run out. Finally, there's this crash. Finally... It's over. It's done. And I will tell you that I don't believe that that is the way that God has created you, is to run on empty. I don't believe that God has designed us to live life as close to empty as we could possibly get. In fact, I'll even go further. I don't think that it's God's plan for you to be totally on full on one Sunday, totally on E the next Sunday, totally, okay, so I got filled up for Monday, Thursday I'm down again. So I'm just going to try to hang in there until he preaches a good one, hopefully he preaches a good one, and then we're back on full. I don't think that's God's plan for you. Not at all. In fact, if we treat the presence of God and our relationship with God like a circle K, It's no wonder why we're not very victorious in our spiritual lives. So the question is this, how do we respond to those times where we have been brought to empty, to E, when life has happened and we're hurting and and we're we're just, we're out of gas, We're, we're, we're not half full, we're we're not even half empty. We're, we're down there. How do, we, how do we respond? What do we do? And that's what this passage of Scripture, I think, unpacks for us here. David, this man of God, this worshiper, the giant slayer, the king, he gives us some insight into this, and I want to share that with you. So I'm going to break this down in just two parts today. And some of you are thinking, wow, two-pointer. Oh, <laughs> I got sub points, okay? Let's not get too excited. But I want to take a look at two parts of this psalm. And first of all, verses 1 through 4, I think that we get a grasp on the source 
or the sources of those moments that bring us to empty in our spiritual lives. David unpacks these for us in a brutally honest way. And so I give you permission today, not that you need it, but I give you permission when you respond to this message this morning to be as honest with God as you can possibly be. Because first of all, God can handle you. And secondly, God welcomes that. Because that's the type of relationship that he wants with you. It's just tell him the truth. Tell him how you're feeling. You don't have to sugarcoat it with a bunch of 1619 King James Version words that are supposed to impress him. No offense to the King James. I'm just telling you, you just come to God as you are and say, God, this is how I feel. Let's remind ourselves how David felt. Look at verses 1 and 4 again. He says, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day, and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fail. Oh my goodness. I dare say if some of you texted this to me and said, Pastor, this is how I'm feeling, I'd be like, oh man, we need to have an all-night prayer meeting for this person. Not that there's anything wrong, because I do pray for you. Because <laughs> I don't know what else to do. <laughs> but, but David unpacks some things here that I think that we can relate to. And I'll show those to you. First of all, I believe there was, some, there was a feeling of helplessness that David was feeling. The giant slayer, the king, the man after God's own heart. I believe he was feeling very helpless. Again, verse 1, he, he says, How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Have you been to a place, maybe you're there now, but have you been to a place like David, the giant slayer, the worshiper, the king, the man after God's own heart? Have you been to that same place of even feeling forgotten by God? You would think if anybody should never feel this way, it'd be King David. Look what God did through him and for him and to him. Yeah, but he was brought to this point at this moment, whatever that moment was, to even suggest that he felt that God had forgotten about him, that God no longer <clears throat> remembered him. My voice is not going to survive this sermon, but I'm going to go, baby. I'm going to go that God could no longer remember who he was. He felt like God was hiding his face from him. He was brought to the point where emotionally he thought that God was ignoring him. Maybe some of us have fought guilt for feeling the same way. And so here we are, we're feeling this way like David did then we feel guilty for feeling the way that David felt. 
And it starts this vicious cycle where you don't even feel like you can be honest to God or anybody else about how you're feeling. And then you feel more guilty. <laughs> and it just continues, that feeling of helplessness. Secondly, excuse me for this term, but there were some serious head games going on in David's mind. Do you know, you've heard me say this, do you know where the main battlefield is for you? It's not in some bar. It's not on some corner where, where something bad could really happen. It, it, it's not in front of your computer. Do you know where the main battlefield is for you? It's in your mind. It's your thought life. It's the things that you are thinking. And, and, and David, David addresses this battleground. The, the one who slayed a giant on a battleground is now dealing with the toughest battleground that he could have faced. Oh, I should say that again. The one who was a fighter who had been on many battlegrounds, is now dealing with the toughest battleground that we will face, and that is in our thought life. Look what he says. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? See, for a lot of us, what we're dealing with, maybe you're dealing with it now. It, it's, it's not necessarily any action that you've taken yet, but it's the thoughts and your thought life. It's the wrong kind of thinking. Thinking thoughts that are contrary to what God has to say about you or your situation. God doesn't care about me. Well, the Bible says something different. Well, God can't do this or he won't do this. And, and, and the Bible says something different. Are you hear what I'm saying? And, and the battlefield takes place in our mind. We got all these head games going on because our thoughts, our thoughts are making a huge impact on us in a negative way. Paul tells us that we need to take every thought captive and submit it to Christ. Another way of saying it is that we need to filter our thoughts through what the Word of God has to say. And when, when your thoughts go through the Bible filter, what comes out is truth. What stays are lies and untruths. What does God have to say? I'll get to that in just a little bit. But David was dealing with thoughts. And, and now listen to me. When your thoughts take root... They become beliefs. And when your beliefs take root, they will then become actions, mindsets, and lifestyles. And that's why the battle of the mind is so crucial. Because if we just kind of let it sit there and simmer, we're going to lose this thing. I will tell you that maybe the change that needs to take place in a lot of people's lives under the sound of my voice is not necessarily in your actions or your behaviors, but it might be in your mind and in your thoughts and how you're thinking. Here's a third thing 
that David brought to the surface here. And that would be in the area of hurt. Hurt. And he identifies this at the end of verse 2 and also in verse 4. Take a look at it. He says, How long will my enemy triumph over me? My enemy will say I've overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. Have you ever had people rejoice when you fall? Uh, Sometimes there are some people out there that do not have our best in mind. Some of us need to be careful whom we give access to our thoughts and to our minds and to our actions. But some of the biggest lows that we will ever face will come from people who have been mistreated by somebody. I will tell you that the biggest hurts I've ever had, they've never come from people that were strangers attacking me. I don't care. Some guy online wants to say, oh, I think you're fat. Ooh. It's like, you don't even know me. And you're ugly and I can lose weight. No, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. But that is a great comeback. But anyway, it's when we've been hurt by people that are supposed to be close to us. In fact, hear me, the closer the relationship, the deeper the hurt. I'll say it again, the closer the relationship and the higher your expectations of that person, the deeper that hurt will be. So you see, if some stranger mocks me online or says something, you know, I don't care. That, 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 that's like way down here in the relationship meter. But if there's somebody that I love and care about and they hurt me, okay, now that stings. And there are people not sitting in a church chair or a pew today because they have never gotten past this. And it was exactly what the enemy tried to use against them to keep them from experiencing God's absolute best. I'll give you one more. It's found in verse 3. David was brought to a sense of what I would call hopelessness. I mean, look at that. Look what he says. Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. Okay, David's saying, God, if you don't do something, I'm going to die here. You can't get much more hopeless than that. I'm going to remind you one more time that this is the giant killer. This is the worshiper. This is the man after God's own heart. This is the man who had an anointing whenever he would worship the Lord. This is, this is the man who, who slayed the giant. This is the man whom God chose as king. This This is a man after God's own heart. And this man is so down 
and so low that he says that. Some of you, if, can you imagine if somebody got up here to preach and said, man, if God doesn't do something, I'm going to die here. I said, wow, what a great Sunday this is. But this is David. This is David. I wasn't going to say this, but God just said, say it, so I'm going to. If this is you, any of these thoughts and any of these feelings, if this is you, be very guarded whom you share this with. Don't post it on Facebook. For the love of everything that is pure and holy, you don't have to post this stuff on Facebook. Or, Or any social media. It's okay to feel this way. And it's okay to share it with somebody whom you trust. But that doesn't mean everybody. Well, they go to church. That doesn't always mean everything. Well, they say they're a Christian. Who do you trust? So be careful. Church, be careful. I don't share everything in my life with every pastor that I know. Man, my filter's kicking in right now. (laughs) But I got some that I trust. In fact, one of them's going to be here next week, one of our missionaries. I trust him with everything in my life. Uh, If you have found that person in your life, that is gold. That is gold. So be careful whom you share this with. Twitter is not your trusted confidant. Amen? Amen. All right. Don't know who that was for, but uh, there you go. Now, here's the deal, okay? If I stop this sermon right now, it would be the most depressing sermon I've ever preached. If if we thought that this psalm ended at verse 4, Yikes! See, and this is where many of us find ourselves in a crossroads. Okay? Because the psalm does not end at verse 4. There are two more verses. But here's the deal. Some of us have chosen to stop at verse 4. Some of us have chosen to let the head games go on that the enemy is trying to play with us. And some of us have just said, well, I guess my calling in life is to feel as helpless and as hopeless as I could possibly be. I guess that's God's plan for my life. And I'm just here to tell you right now, that is not God's plan for your life. And, and, and if you think that your existence is only verses 1 through 4 of this psalm, then I have great news for you. There are two more verses here because not only, not only do we see the source of what David was going through, and I got a feeling that some of us can relate to those things that were bothering David, but not only that, but then, then David makes some statements in verses five and six 
that are life-changing. And this turned him around. The psalm totally turns around on verses 5 and 6. And I'm here to tell you today that your life can actually turn around if you will just embrace the statements in verses 5 and 6. Quit living in verses 1 through 4 and start walking and existing and living in verses 5 and 6. And I want to show you what those statements are. Some of you, you're going to want to... you're going to want to take a picture of these. You're going to want to write them down because this is going to be important for you. Again, verses 5 and 6 say this, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing and uh, the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. What are the statements that will get you from living a life on empty How can you turn around, embrace what David said? I'm going to break him down for you. Here's the first statement. You ready? Number one, God loves me. See, some of you think, oh, that's just too basic. Pastor, we want something more profound. You can't get anything more profound than the love of God, you see, because none of us deserve it. A lot of us, we're just a hot mess. A lot of us, we have made so many mistakes. We've been unfaithful. We lie. We're deceptive. We, we, we do all these things, and, and, and God still loves us. He loves us. We, we might have these feelings that are so anti what we were taught to feel as children of God, and, and in the midst of all of that, God still loves me. I want you to think. Again, look at verse 5. He says, but I trust. The first thing, oh my word, the first thing he says is I trust in your unfailing love. Don't miss, don't miss the position of this statement. See, because it was, if it was me, and maybe if it was some of you, and you were in David's position, and you're feeling this low, and you're feeling this empty, and you're feeling this down, you might hearken back, if you're trying to turn things around, you might hearken back to God's power. I mean, he did help David slay the great giant Goliath, right? Right? We know that story. You might hearken back to his mercy, God forgave David of a very great sin when he uh, committed adultery with Bathsheba and had her husband killed. Yikes. So he might have looked back at God's mercy. He didn't. The first thing he might have thought about was God's guidance. I mean, the Lord directed him and guided him throughout David's role as a king, the chosen king that God had selected. That's not the first thing that David said. It could be, it could be the anointing. God, you have anointed me. That's not the first thing that David hearkened back to when he was feeling so low. The first thing and the first thing I want you to remember today, regardless of what he's done for you, regardless of the fact that he's forgiven you, regardless of the fact that he's done some great things for you, please know, first of all, before anything else, that God loves you. And there is nothing that could be changed about that. 
There is nothing you can do to stop God from loving you. Nothing. There is nothing you could say. There is nothing you can feel that will get God to cut off his love for you. He loved the world. While we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. The first thing he said, God, you love me. I'm feeling so low, but if I'm going to get out of this, then I need to be reminded that he loves me. And maybe today, maybe today, maybe because you've made mistakes, maybe because of what's happened around you or to you, you feel like God doesn't love you. And I will tell you that nothing could be further from the truth. God loves you. And hear me, your circumstances have nothing to do with God's love. I don't know who needs to know that. I don't, need to know who need, I don't know who needs to hear that, but your circumstances have nothing to do with God's incredible love for you. You want to get out of empty? The first statement to embrace is this one. God loves me. Secondly, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. Second half of verse 5, David makes this statement. He says, my heart rejoices in your salvation. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. See, because King David not only rested in God's love for him, but God reminded him of his standing with him as well. We can be thankful today as children of God that we are saved, that we have been rescued from the clutches of sin and the penalty of sin. We have been rescued from hell. And, and, and here's the thing, here's the thing. When you say that I am God's child, okay, parents and grandparents, you get this, okay, because it's one thing it's one thing if somebody does something to someone else's son or daughter. But when someone messes with your kid? Now, my wife is the kind of the quiet one in the family. Okay? Thank God for that, by the way. Because of whom she's surrounded by. But I will tell you, when you would see somebody mess with her bear cub, okay, and then her voice would change to something like this. <laughs> Not really. But I see it. I've seen it. Where the mama bear eyes, something happens to those eyes. And they become mama bear eyes. And then, and then the, the neck, I tease her about being a redneck, but when it, when it literally happens, I'm like, oh, sweet Jesus, someone's going to die here. Why? 
And a lot of you moms, you're just the same way. You're just so sweet and cute until your bear cup gets messed with. And then all of a sudden, you better pray. It would be easier to face Al-Qaeda than it would be to face some of you. Why? Because that kid's yours. That's your child. That's your son. That's your daughter. And you don't mess with my kid. You don't mess with my kid. And I'm saying this now, pretending to be God. Because when he looks down on us, you're his child. You're his son. You're his daughter. And he will do everything he can to remind you and even remind others that you are his. Be reminded today that not only does God love you, but you are his child. I got two more statements. I'm going to let you go. The third one is this. I will worship the Lord. I will worship the Lord. So what am I supposed to do? Call the worship team and have them sing to me, pastor, when I'm feeling low? No. Look what he said in verse 6. He said, I will sing the Lord's praise. Uh, I don't know that he really felt like worshiping God or praising God at that moment. If you were feeling that way, see, it'd be troubling if I felt one of those ways in verses 1 through 4. But, but to feel all four of them? And then to say, in the midst of that, I will worship the Lord. Wow, so you're saying that if I, if I worship God, it's going to make all my problems go away. <laughs> no. Here's what I'm saying, though. You ready for this? Worship moves the focus off of you and off of your problems and off of your situation. And worship directs all of your thoughts and all of your attention to God. See, that's why your worship is so important. So, whether I know the song or not, what, what, I, I'm going to praise God. Some of you kind of get a boo-boo face if there's a song that you don't recognize. <laughs> and I just want to tell you that, that you don't even need us up here to worship. You can worship in your car. Some of you ought to worship in your car. You might not know that. You can worship at home. You can worship in the gym. You know, you've heard me say, folks, when I, I walk out on a starry night and I see all those stars. And I'm like, God, you made this. How amazing you are. You know what that is? That's worship. That's worship. That's worship. You can worship God anytime, anywhere. You don't need a worship leader with a guitar saying five, six, seven, eight. You don't have to be entertained to worship God. Americans, hear me, please. We have made worship more of a show than we have an experience of seeking the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. 
we judge the effectiveness of worship based on how entertained we are. That is wrong. That is incorrect. That is unhealthy. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I will praise Him whether I got anyone around me or not. I'll praise Him in the car. I will just tell him, God, you're great. God, thank you for doing this. God, you, you healed me. God, you did all this. Lord, I will praise you. I will worship you. That takes your mindset off of all the helplessness and the hopelessness, and it centers it back to Jesus Christ. And here's the last statement. God's been good to me. God's been good to me. And, and, and here's the deal. In verses 1 through 4, that sure didn't sound like it, did it? But, see, here's the deal. No matter how you feel now, God's been good to you. So, so Dave is not just saying some phony thing to try to get his way or to feel better. David is actually acknowledging that in the past, God, you've been good to me. I might feel terrible right now, but God, you've been good to me. The problem is some of us kind of get spiritual amnesia when it comes to our relationship with God. Because some of us are, you ready for this? Some of, our, some of us become, what have you done for me lately type of Christians. And if God hasn't done something significant for us in the last three, four, five days, then where have you been? But maybe, just maybe, we can look back and say, you know what, God? You've been good to me. Has he saved you? Has he saved you? Then he's been good. Anybody here, has he healed you before? Then he's been good. Has he saved your kids? Has he saved your family? Has he transformed your home? Some of you can testify to that. Yes, he's been good. He's been good. Some of you, you should not even be alive today. I'm looking around at people, and I know, now i got to look at the center, because some of you are thinking, who's he talking about? But, <laughs> but I'm just telling you, I'm telling you, some of you can quote verse 6 over and over and over again. Because at the end of all of these feelings, he says, God, you've been good to me. Some of you were on drugs and you no longer are. He's been good to you. Some of you, you were in jail or prison. You no longer are. God's been good to you. Some of you, your family was a wreck and now it's not. God's been good to you. Some of you, you were in the clutches of sin. God saved you. He's been good to you. Some of you, things are tough right now, but he's been faithful in the past. And you could say, you could say that God's been good to me. It might not feel like it right now, but folks, God is not subject to your feelings. You can tell God today, Lord, you've been good to me. You've been good to me. You supplied for me before. You took care of me before. You protected me before. You kept me from dying before. You kept me together when I thought I was going to fall apart. So God, yes, you've been good to me. Jonathan, if you can come on up here. The weight of our current circumstances, church does not delete the faithfulness of God. Let me say it again. The weight of my current circumstance does not delete 
the faithfulness of God. He's good. And he's been good to me. He's been good to me. So how do you respond to something like this? I want to flash these four statements. This is the last slide I've got. And to the team, I I want to keep these up here until the last person leaves today. And perhaps some of you, you just need to sit on your chair, look at this screen, and confess these truths to God. Not for his sake, but for yours. God, God already knows this. So you're not reminding him of anything. But you might be reminded today of all that God truly is. Because sometimes life makes us feel helpless and hopeless. Sometimes there's some head games going on in our lives. Some, some, sometimes we just don't know what's next. And it happens to the Davids in the world. So if it's going to happen to David, it's probably going to happen to us. So how do we deal with this? In fact, some of you, you could have written verses 1 through 4 yourself right now. But I don't want you to live in verses 1 through 4. Don't live there. I want you to live in verses 5 and 6 and say, God loves me. No matter how I feel, God loves me. No matter what anybody else says, I'm a child of God. And the world may reject me. People might reject me, but God will not reject me. I am his child. I am his child. And I'll worship God. Because God doesn't need my praise. I need my praise to God. Because that takes the attention off of me and my circumstances. And it's drawn to God. And maybe we just need to sit and reflect on the fact that God's been good to me. And if he healed me in the past, and saved me in the past, and if he put my family together in the past, and if he cleaned up my mess in the past, he could do it again. Because he's been really good to me. Some of you, I've already seen some of you do it, which is awesome. Some of you have taken cell phone and, and you're taking a picture of this screen. Because here's the deal. And I appreciate that so much. Because here's the deal. Some of us, we're going to have to live this out. And it's easy to do in a church sanctuary. But when we go to work and when we're around the situations and the people that brought on verses one through four, we need to be reminded of what this says. So some of us need to keep these verses handy, these statements handy, and just say, no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. God, God, see, God loves me. I'm, I'm his child. Doesn't matter what they say, I'm his child. Doesn't matter if nobody else loves me, God loves me. God has been good. In fact, I'll give God praise for his goodness. It might just be a short commute in your car where you just give God praise. Do it. Take the attention off of you. Take the attention off of what you're facing and give your attention to God. You cannot go wrong doing that. Some of us today, 
we might need to spend some time doing that uh, third statement, just worshiping the Lord. I've asked Jonathan to be willing to just sing a few worship songs at the end here. And and, and you might want to just worship God along with him. And that might help you take the attention off what is going on. That might help you take the attention off of verses 1 through 4 and bring your attention to God. So I, I don't know how everybody needs to respond to this, but I'm seeing a lot of cell phones working. I, I, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people nodding their heads. I, I see some people that, that are ready to worship and, and just sit in God's presence. Some of you just need to confess these to the Lord. Say, oh God, thank you for loving me. Help me not to forget that. God, help me. I, I am your child. I'm your son. I'm your boy. Thank you. Thank you. Some of that needs to go on. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to stand. Okay? Now, I know there are schedules, so some of you might need to leave. Okay, but even you, I, I want to encourage you just to spend some time. Spend some time with verses 5 and 6. And take this home with you. And, and, and be ready with this on Monday. Be, be ready with this on Tuesday. Because the devil might not, might not try to fight this in here. But he might try to do it at work. He might try to do it at home. So, so I want you to live this thing out when you leave this place as well. But let's start in here. When God releases you today, you can consider yourself dismissed. But right now, let's talk to God. Let's worship God. Jesus, we need you. We need you. Lord, a a man like David felt feelings that some of us would be afraid to confess or own up to. But God, I pray that we would not linger in the source emptiness. But God, we would linger in the statements of verses 5 and 6. God, you love us. God, you are my father. I am your child. God, I'll praise you. Even if I don't feel like it, I'll praise you. And oh God, you've been good to me. And the same God that's been good to me before will be good to me again. So Lord, touch every individual within the sound of my voice. I pray for victory. I pray for turnaround. Take us from empty and fill us with your precious Holy Spirit. In your name, amen. If God's released you and you be dismissed, if you need to worship, if you need to pray, do so right now. God bless. Jonathan, lead us. Lord, I come. I confess. Bowing here, I find my rest. And without you.